Thank you, guys. Hey, a couple of, couple of announcements to add to Ben's. We want to continue to encourage you, if you're not doing the quest, um, to take part in this. This is um, something we're doing as a church. We're reading through the New Testament. And we're doing it uh, chronologically. Um, and it's a great way to keep you in the scriptures. If you don't have a consistent quiet time, if you really struggle with what to read, and, and uh, this, is, this is a great thing to do. And you can pick one of these up sitting right out here on the table. And it just has a daily calendar. And it is chronological. What we try to do is take the, the New Testament and put it in the order in w- which it was written. So that's why we started with Luke. And then we go right into Acts. And we're in Acts. Uh, today, I think, should be Acts chapter 9. And... Uh, I would just encourage you to do that. And if you want to go online to the website, you can actually see a blog where people are uh, putting in their comments what they're getting out of the scriptures. And it's a great dialogue. Um, I'm doing it every day, and it's, a, it's, it's just a great study. It's making me look at the, uh, the scriptures in a different light than I have in a long time. So take part in that. And then secondly, there's a flyer out here as well. On March 9th, 2009, from 6.30 to 7.30 in Fellowship Hall. Uh, we're having a thing called Cat and Dog Theology, and this is by Phil Luckett. He's going to come and speak. And so if you uh, have some availability and some time, pick up one of these flyers. And uh, it's, it's just a great um, introduction to theology and something I think you really enjoy. So pick one of these flyers up right out here. And, again, that's March 9th, 630 to 730, Fellowship Hall. Well, before we get started this morning, we're talking about prayer, so why don't we open with prayer? Okay. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to come together as men and just uh, pray that you would take the time that we spend here and use it for your glory and our good. And Father, that we would um, understand a little bit more than maybe when we walked in about the necessity of prayer, the power of prayer, and the need for persistent prayer. Father, there's a lot of stuff going on right now in our, our world A lot of people are hurting, a lot of needs, even within this body right here at Christ Chapel. There are a lot of men in this room this morning, Father, who are hurting, who have pressures that they've never had before, who have a lot of concerns going on in their lives. And, Father, you have given us prayer as a means to come to you as our Father and to share those things with you. But for some reason, it's hard for a lot of us, and we don't do it enough, and we don't do it easily. So this morning, I just pray that you would come to us and help us to understand just how important prayer really is. And it's just a relationship. It's a conversation with the Heavenly Father who loves us very much. So we give you this time and just pray again that you would be honored by everything that we say and do, the times around the tables, the lecture time, everything, Father. And we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, we're going to go a little bit further in this, this discussion of prayer, and we're going to spend some time around our tables praying. But I want to run a couple of quotes by you that uh, have impacted me. This is by Andrew Murray, who's written a whole lot on prayer. He says, faith in a prayer-hearing God will make a prayer-loving Christian. Faith in a prayer-hearing God will make a prayer-loving Christian. And many of us in this room don't love prayer. Uh, we, we don't have a love affair with prayer. And I, th- I think it goes back to exactly what he's saying is that we really don't have faith that our prayers will get answered. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that this morning. 
Because if we really believed that Jesus answered prayer, we would pray more. And we would pray often and we would pray fervently and we would love to pray. And if anybody came to us with a prayer need, we would want to pray for them because we believe our Father answers prayer. So again, we want to talk about that this morning. Secondly is by Phillips Brooks. He says, do not pray for easy lives. Pray to be stronger men. Do not pray for tasks equal to your powers. Pray for powers equal to your task. And that's that's a really powerful statement because I think too often in our lives as men, we pray for easy lives. And if you heard Ted's sermon on Sunday from the high priestly prayer of Jesus, that what Jesus prayed for you and I is not typically what we pray for one another. Uh, we, we pray for easy lives. We pray for things to be taken away, uh, the road to be made smooth. Uh, we, we pray for circumstantial things, and yet Jesus prayed for much deeper things. Pray to be stronger men. And right now, with things going on the way they are, we need stronger men. We need men who are going to be able to face whatever comes our way in, in this economy and the circumstances that surround us. We need stronger men. Then finally, this is by uh, Unknown. Unknown wrote a lot. He says, God answer, God's answers are wiser than our prayers. God's answers are wiser than our prayers. And one of the things about a faithful God is that I can trust him with the right answer, even though it may not match what I requested. Uh, I can trust him. And that his answer, it may not be in the time I want, in the form that I want. Um, it not be, may not even be the answer I want. But I can trust his answer because he's wiser than my requests. Uh, so again, prayer. Why prayer? Why should we pray? And before we spend some time praying, uh, I just want to give you a few lessons on prayer. Some of these you've heard before, but I just want to go over them again. Number one is we need to pray with an attitude of perseverance. I am not a persevering prayer warrior. Um, I will pray, and this may prevent some of you from ever coming to me again and asking me to pray for you, but um, I don't persevere in prayer. I get, I get impatient or I just get tired of waiting. And then I just kick it into gear and I take care of it myself. Perseverance in prayer is so important and something that we struggle with. Luke 18.1 is a, is a story that Jesus told. It's a, a parable. And it talks about this issue of perseverance. He says, he told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. Anybody ever prayed and given up? You know, I didn't get that. You know, okay, Lord, I don't think you're listening. Um, I prayed once, didn't get what I wanted, so I give up. I just don't, I don't hang in there. Um, perseverance in prayer is so critical. We give up way too easily, guys. Uh, it could be a relational situation. It could be a financial situation. It could be anything and everything, and we just give up. We just stop praying because we don't think he's answered or we don't think he's listening. But according to the scriptures, he's doing both. He hears our prayers. Um, he just, again, may not have the timing that we're looking for, and he may not give us the answer we're looking for. So we just give up. But this parable in Luke chapter 18 is all about perseverance. And when we fail to persist in our prayers, it, could, it, it can in, indicate a, a number of things. But here's just a few. Lack of faith. Lack of faith. We really don't believe he's going to answer. 
And we throw up a token prayer and we say, okay, Lord, I, I need your help in this situation. We wait five minutes and nothing happens. No money falls out of the sky. Um, no flash of lightning. He doesn't write anything in the wall, so we just say, ah, well, I guess I'm done with that. I'll go on and take care of it myself. And it's a lack of faith that he will answer. It's a lack of patience, and this is particularly something I struggle with, is a, a lack of patience. I don't want to wait. I want answers now. I am an immediate gratification kind of a guy. If, if, if I need something, I go buy it. I don't shop for it. I don't um, look for the best buy. And that drives my wife crazy because my wife is a bargain hunter. And she'll come in and she'll say, you know, what do you think of this outfit? And I think, ah, it's great. She goes, $7. Did you steal it or did you buy it? You know what? And she goes, well, I went to Neiman's had their red, red apple day or whoever had the red apple day. It was marked off 50%. But then they had, I had a coupon and that knocked, marked her off another 25% by the time she gets a $90 outfit for $7. And I'm, and of course, as a man, I'm like, go, that's great. That's just more money for me to spend. Um, but I don't shop that way because I just, you know, I need something or I think I need it and I just go buy it. Uh, I hate to wait. I don't like to wait for sales. I don't like to wait for, you know, Christmas used to drive me nuts as a kid and it still drives me nuts as a, as an adult. I just, did you buy me something? Just give it to me. Don't wait for Christmas. You know, just give it to me now. Uh, and I'm that way with prayer. I lack patience. I don't want to wait for the answer. And if you link these two together, it's really dangerous because if I'd hate to wait and then I, I don't think he's going to give it to me anyway. So bad combination. And it keeps me from praying. How about a lack of need? This is a, a real big one with the guys. We don't even think we need his answer. You know, if you think about it, why do I need an answer from God if I can take care of it myself? And you would think most of us, after trying that over the years and seeing what our answers really produce, our own answers, we would learn to be patient and wait for his because his are always better. My answers are always screwed up in some form or fashion, or they always produce a negative result in the long run. Uh, I can make things happen, but they don't normally pan out real well. So we don't think we need an answer. It also could indicate some spiritual laziness. And I think this is, this is rampant in the church today, that we're just basically spiritually lazy. We don't want to cry out day and night. And this little story that Jesus tells in Luke after chapter 18 is about a woman who went to this unjust judge and she cried out day and night, day and night. And I think of that and I go, man, I, got, I want to watch TV. I, I, got, I got other things to do and cry out day and night. Um, perseverance, persistence. We're just basically kind of lazy. I asked, give it to me. And yet he may not. And am I willing to continue to go back and persist and persist and persist? Cry out day and night. How about wrong motives? You ever prayed for something with the wrong motive? You know, you, you want it because of the wrong reasons, your own self-gratification. Um, you know, it's interesting. I thought about this, um, and this may just be me, and this is open confession time, but have you ever prayed for somebody and you want them to be either healed or you want their marriage fixed or you want something to happen in their lives just so they'll go away? I mean, is it just me? I mean, maybe it's because I end up counseling people and, and you know, they, they come back over and over again and you're just like, okay, Lord, just fix them. Fix them, you know, 
fix their marriage, fix whatever's going on in their lives just so I don't have to meet with them anymore. That is so selfish. That is so, that's a, that is a big time wrong motive. Because really what you're saying, and, and no, I don't think that, but at the core, that's probably what's going through my mind. You know, Lord, it'd be great if you would just, you know, kind of fix this situation. Heal them, get them out of the hospital, because I really hate going to the hospital. I really hate ministering to people in those kinds of situations. So if you, if you could, Lord, just, just heal them, get them out of the hospital, send them home, or take them home, whichever one you want to do, just, you know, um, uh, just so I don't have to go mess with this anymore. And don't judge me, because I know you do the same thing. Um, you know, sometimes we don't even have a legitimate need. Um, you know, we're asking for things that we don't even need. And we're saying, Lord, I, I, I really need X. I really need, uh, I need a raise. I need a new job. I need, and, and the Lord's just going, you know, no, you don't. You just need to learn to be satisfied with the job you have. No, it's not perfect, but guess what? Neither are you. And I, I've shared this with you guys before. In, in my years in advertising, I, I change jobs a lot. And the running joke in my family is, you know, we can, we can drive into virtually any area in the Metroplex and there will be an office building I used to work in. Because um, my kids, you know, I've, over the years I've said, well, I, I worked there and I've worked, I worked in Las Colinas. I worked in downtown Fort Worth and I worked in South Fort Worth and I worked in, you know, downtown Dallas. And my kids are like, how many jobs did you have? And a lot, because what I would do is I would get dissatisfied with some job that I was in and I would see some other job that looked better or they would offer me more money or, or a promotion. And so I would get dissatisfied here and then I'd, I'd, I'd say, Lord, you know, man, if I could just have that job, I'll be happy. You know, and God would let me have that job and I'd find out that, you know, these people are idiots too. You know, this, this guy doesn't know what he's doing. And it took me years to realize that the only common denominator was me. Um, the problem wasn't where I worked, it was me. And so I was asking for things and I didn't really have a legitimate need or a legitimate motive. I just wanted something to want it. And you know, we see a lot of this in our kids. You know, I, our kids want things so bad. I have a 15-year-old um, a son who, who, as 15-year-old boys are prone to do, he has a lot of wants. And he has wanted everything from an Xbox, and he's wanted, uh, Dad, if I could just have Facebook, just give me Facebook. I just need to be on Facebook. And I'm like, no, you don't need one more portal into media, media land. You know, you, you're already, you know, wanting to be on the computer all the time, and that's the last thing I need is you to have one more thing. Oh, Dad, if I could just have, if I could just get, you know, if I could just, all my friends are on Facebook. I just need Facebook. So finally, Dad caves in, because I'm a weenie. And I, I give him Facebook. But what I'm learning is to, is to come alongside my son and say, okay, has Facebook made you more popular? Are, are you more popular now than you were before Facebook? Because he, can, he can't make that, that leap. He can't make that conclusion. Because one of the things that happens is he gets Facebook, and then what happens next? Dad, if I could just have this. Dad, if I could just have this. And he always wants more. And it's the same thing with us. We don't really have a legitimate need. And so sometimes we go to God and we want things and we just have the wrong motive. We have the wrong desire. And God says no. God says no. 
How about Luke 18, 7 and 8? It says, Now will not God bring about justice for his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you that he will bring justice for them quickly. See, the story is about this unjust judge and this widow who has a need. She has somebody who is persecuting her, an opponent, a legal opponent, and she has no other alternative than to go to this unjust judge for some kind of settlement. Please help me. And so she cries out day and night, and and Jesus says, Will not God, your loving Father, bring about justice to his elect who cry out day and night? Won't he do the right thing? But the key is, we need to be be willing to cry out day and night and to say, Lord, either answer the prayer or change my request. And I think oftentimes what God wants to do is change our request. What we're praying for and change it into something else. And one of the things I'm learning as we go through this iChat series is that um, oftentimes we pray, as Ted said on Sunday, we pray for the circumstantial surface things. And people will come to you and they'll say, will you pray for my marriage? And we will say, sure, I'll pray for your marriage. What do you want me to pray? And they'll say, well, pray that it be healed. Pray that my wife will be more loving. Pray that I will be more patient. Pray this, pray this, pray this. And we just regurgitate back their prayers. But we never boil it down to what's the real problem in your marriage. And see, we'll pray for marriages to be healed, but we won't pray for men to be changed. And you can't have the one without the other. See, we don't want to go down and and dig into the surface and say, Lord, what do you really want to see happen? Because you could bring two people back together who are apart, and what's going to happen? If they're not truly changed, they will go apart again. And so it's learning to pray as Jesus prayed, learning to pray for things beneath the surface and cry out day and night. James 4, 3 says, you ask and you don't receive. Why? Why? Because you ask with wrong motives. You just want to spend it on your pleasures. Lord, if I could just have this, I'd really be happy. If you could work it into your plan to give me what I want. And it's just wrong motives. Wrong things. You know, we we pray oftentimes that God will change people. Why? Because they irritate the bejeebers out of us. Um, we pray that our kids would get along with one another. Why? Because they irritate us and I'm sick of them arguing. We, we pray that God would make our kids um, behave in a certain way. Why? Because it embarrasses the way they behave right now. But what we don't pray is, Father, would you pre- please make my child more Christ-like? Would you make them more holy? Would you change their heart? Would you give them a passion for the things of God? Digging a little bit deeper, but we tend to pray in, pray in the surface. See, this woman in the story is looking for legal protection. She goes to him and she needs help because she says in verse three, give me legal protection from my opponent. She needs, she needs help. She needs somebody to step in and help her out. Why? Because she had a pressing need she couldn't meet. She couldn't do anything about it. And see, part of the problem with our prayer lives, guys, is that we don't have needs. At least we don't think so. Because we just don't want to go to God. But this woman had no other choice. She couldn't take care of it herself. She's a widow. And in that day and age, to be a widow with no money, obviously no family, she had no legal ramifications, nothing to lean on, so she had to go to this guy. She had a pressing need, and she needed help. 
So she's persistent. Why? Because she's powerless. And those two things, guys, are really linked together. You will become persistent in, persistent in your prayer life when you realize how powerless you really are, that I can't pull this off. And see, the sad thing is in my life and in your life is, is we have to bring it to a point where the, all the props get knocked out from under us, where we no longer have anything to lean on, and then we suddenly become persistent. But as long as we have one little inkling of power left in us, we will keep trying to do it ourselves. We will keep trying to just solve our own problems. And it's amazing to watch, and it's happening right now in this fellowship. With the economy, with everything going on, people are getting major props knocked out from under them. And suddenly they have no income, they have no job, they have no clue what they're going to do. And guess what's happening? Their prayer life is changing. And they're becoming a whole lot more persistent than they've ever been before. Why? Because they're powerless and they need help. It's a key to prayer. If you've got your Bibles, open them up to Matthew chapter 7. We'll take this to another area. So we're to, we're to pray with an attitude of perseverance, but we're also to pray with an attitude of persistence. And those sound very similar, but there's a difference. Um, to persevere is to keep on asking. The woman kept going back, and she kept asking and kept asking and kept asking. To persist is, in my mind, at least according to the scripture we're going to look at in verses 7 and 8 of Matthew chapter 7, is to, in a way exhaust all avenues. And this is a real familiar passage. Verses 7 and 8 of Matthew chapter 7. Jesus says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. To him who knocks the door will be opened. Um, This is a very familiar uh, couple of verses. But my question to you this morning is, do you really see this lived out in your life on a daily basis? Uh, Do you see this happening? And and I want to unpack this because there's three basic areas to this prayer that I think we need to look at. And the first is that it says to ask. Now, that's kind of a, um, a, a dumb moment. You know, well, of course you have to ask. But it starts there. It starts with asking. We've got to start by asking. But we've got to ask the right person. If you go down into verse 11, it says, he finishes up this little story and he says, how much more will your father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask him? So you've got to go to the right source. You've got to ask the right person. When you have a need, where do you turn first? Where do you turn first? Do you turn to your bank account? Do you turn to your broker? Do you turn to your, uh, your friends? Do you turn, who do you turn to first? Who do you ask first? And according to Jesus, if you finish the verses, it's turn to the Father. Turn to Him. Jesus says we're to ask God. So ask and ask Him. Go to Him first. And our tendency as men is we ask anybody and everybody but God first. And He's, he's our last resort. Or we may ask Him, but then we still go and we talk to other people and try to get whoever gives us the answer we want first, we'll take it. And if God delays, he's odd man out. 
but ask him. Go to the right person. We're also to ask in Jesus' name. We don't get that from this passage, but if you go to John chapter 14, it says, I will do whatever you ask in my name, Jesus says, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. You know, it's really been interesting. Ben and I were talking about this yesterday. In reading through the book of Acts, something's jumped out at me that I've never noticed before, and, and it's the incredible uh, number of references to the name of Jesus. And, you know, I've, I've grown up in a pastor's home, and I've grown up in church, and, and I've, I hear people talk about the name of Jesus, and we say the name of Jesus, and we say pray in the name of Jesus. But I've never noticed until going back and reading book, through the, uh, the book of Acts is how much emphasis is put on the name of Jesus and the power of the name of Jesus. And if you look at it, everything the disciples did, everything the apostles did after the Pentecost was done in the name of Jesus. So a man is healed and everybody's amazed. And the apostles say, don't be amazed. Don't look at me. I didn't do this. It was the power of the name of Jesus. When the high priest hears these guys walking around, what is he upset about? It's he's upset because they're speaking in the name of Jesus. And so he imprisons, imprisons them. He lets them loose and he says, do not speak anymore in that name. See, it's all about the name of Jesus. And so when we go to the Father, we, ha- we have access to the Father. Why? Because of the name of Jesus. And there is power in the name of Jesus. And to speak in the name of Jesus. And to ask in the name of Jesus. So we're to go to the right person and we're to go in the right way. We're to ask through the authority that we have in the name of Jesus. That's why we say, and I pray this in the name of Jesus. But see, we just tack that on and we really don't know or understand or appreciate the power in that name. That the disciples did incredible things just by speaking the name of Jesus. People were healed. Demons were cast out just by speaking the name of Jesus. There's power in that name. There's, it's the name above all names, and yet we take it very lightly. We take it extremely lightly. He says to ask. That word means it's a petition. And it's a petition of one who is of lesser status asking someone of higher status. It's, it's to ask, to beg, to call, to crave, and, and to go to somebody and say, man, I, I need you to do something because you have the power that I don't have. You have the resources I don't have. You have the authority that I don't have. So who we're, we're to ask, but we're to go to the right person in the right way, in the name of Jesus, and we're to literally beg, call for, I need your help. But be willing to let him change your request, as he often will do. And he may change it from one thing to another, that no longer are you asking for what you originally came for, because he's changing your heart, he's changing your request. Then he says to ask, but we're to also ask in faith. Ask in faith. Well, you've got to have confidence. And sometimes that's what's missing. You've got to have confidence that he's able to provide what you're asking for. You know, I don't go to my 12-year-old daughter and ask her for money. Although she sometimes probably has more money than I do. I don't go to her for those kinds of things. I don't go to my 12-year-old daughter and ask her for protection. Why? Because she doesn't have the ability to provide it. I will go where I think I can get the need met. So oftentimes we don't go to God because we don't think and we don't have the confidence that he can provide 
what we're asking for. So you've got to ask in faith. You've got to ask believing. Believing, and this is hard. It's hard for me. Believing that he will answer. Again, it may not be the answer I'm looking for, but he will answer. You know, you've, you've heard it said that God always answers prayers, but there's three different answers. It's yes, no, and not now. But he always answers prayer. Um, I hate the not now. Uh, I also hate the no. I just prefer the yes. But I don't always get yes. But he always answers. Uh, I've got to believe that he will answer, and he will answer in his timing, in his way, according to his will, and for my good, and always for his glory. But he will answer. I've got to believe that. I've got to do it without hesitating, and I've got to not waver in my attitude. Lord, I'll ask you today, but if I don't get it by tomorrow, then all bets are off. I'm going somewhere else. I'll take care of it myself. You've got to ask in faith. That's what faith means. James 1, 6 and 7, when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, not waver. Because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown, blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. You ever been blown by the wind? The winds of change, the winds of time, the winds of circumstances. You ever watch the economy go up and down? You ever watch the stock market? Uh, don't highly recommend that. Um, you're going to get seasick. You're going to get depressed. You're going to get elated one day and down the next. You know, we are so, so much creatures of circumstances. But when I ask, I've got to believe and not doubt and not look around me and go, I don't know, Lord. It doesn't look like you're answering this. It doesn't look like you are in control. And it could be that you're asking for a particular uh, request. It could be that you're asking for healing for a loved one, that, Lord, I need you to do something. I need you to, to act. And then you get a bad report the next day from the doctor. And what will you be tempted to do? Waver. Doubt. Well, that's not what I asked for. I am, I'm asking for healing, and then you just gave us a bad report. And you begin to doubt that he cares, he listens, that he... he all kinds of doubts. But if you're going to ask, you've got to ask without doubting. Why? Because he loves you and he is going to answer and he will do what is best and he will bring glory to himself. I love this from John Piper. He says, praying in faith doesn't always mean being sure that the very thing we ask for will happen. But it does always mean that because of Jesus, we trust God to hear us and help us in the way that seems best to him. It may mean that he gives us just what we ask or that he gives us something better, something better. And we're limited, we're human, we're temporal, and it's really hard for us to think eternally, but that God's answers are always eternal in perspective, but that his answer will always be something better than even what we originally asked for. His answers, as that unknown author said, his answers are always better than even our prayers, what we're asking for. We've got to ask in total dependence. Total dependence. Luke 11, 5 through 8, again, a story that Jesus is telling. A friend of mine has come to me from a journey. Here's a parable. you got a neighbor. Some, some guy shows up at his doorstep. It's late at night. He needs to feed him, but he's got nothing to give this guy. So what does he do? He goes next door and he wakes up his neighbor. Why? Because he has a need. And his need is that I have somebody who needs help and I have nothing to give him. 
So in the story, this guy has nothing. And I think that's the context of the parable. And the meaning of the parable is, I've got nothing. I've got somebody with a need, and I've got nothing to give him. Nothing. So he's dependent on his next-door neighbor to be generous. And so in the middle of the night, he gets up, and he walks over, and he knocks on the door, something we all hate to do, and ask. But he had to. Why? Because he was dependent. He was dependent. And this, ad- this idea of dependence is really strange to you and I because we don't like to be dependent. We don't like to be dependent. But prayer is based on an attitude of dependence. Otherwise, we're not going to go to him. We're not going to go to him. We just won't ask. Well, he goes from asking and this says seek. Seek after God. See, what we do is we seek the gift instead of the giver. And so God becomes a glorified genie or a slot machine. You know, we just go and, okay, God, I need you to give me. And our our focus is on the gift and we forget about the giver. I don't think this is saying go and seek what you want. It, It means ask God the Father, seek God the Father, and let him decide what to give you, how to give it, and when to give it. So seek him. Seek the giver, not the gift. God created the need. Why? So we would turn to him. See, you've got needs in your life right now, and you're sitting there going, well, I don't know why this has happened. I don't know where this came from. And I guarantee God knows exactly what's going on. And he has allowed that into your life, or he has placed that into your life, depending on your theology. But he is in control, and he is going to use that need to drive you to him. But he wants you to come to him, not for the need, but for him. That's the key. It's, it's to seek him, not the gift. Seek the Lord in his strength. Seek his face continually. It doesn't say seek the Lord and whatever it is you need. It says seek him, seek him. But we've put the focus on the thing that we want and we get it out of whack. You got to seek him with a whole heart. What does that mean? You will seek me and find me when you search with me with all your heart. You've got to want him more than whatever it is your need that you want. I want him more than a new job, healing, a restored marriage, financial freedom, whatever it is that you think you need. Guess what? You need him more than you need that thing. Because if you get that thing, if you're like me, you'll suddenly decide now I don't need him because I got what I wanted. You ever gotten a raise and think everything's set? You ever got a bonus and think that's all I needed? You ever paid off a debt only to go into debt again? You got what you wanted, but now you don't need God? See, if that's our objective, then we lose sight of the whole, the whole point. It's really that we want to seek him. We've got to seek him with a whole heart, and we've got to seek him daily. Seek him every day. You have daily needs for a reason. You wake up hungry every day for a reason. Uh, and I don't think it's just so you can go eat again. It's to make you understand that I need him. I am dependent on him. And God wants you and I to turn to him every stinking day. Wake up and realize that i got to have him today. You will have needs today. You will have needs tomorrow. And it's just a daily reminder that you need him. Matthew 6, 11, give us this day our daily bread. Daily. So we've got to ask him. We've got to seek him. And then finally, we've got to knock you got to knock at the right door. you got to ask the right person. You've got to do it in Jesus' name. You've got to seek the giver over the gift, and then you've got to knock at the right door. 
If you want results, you've got to turn to the right source. And again, this sounds repetitive, but that's the persistence of ask, seek, and knock. You're, you're continually, persistently, and creatively going back to and being reminded of it's him. It's not the gift. It's not the thing. It's the one who can provide. In, Matthew, in Luke chapter 11, the man in the parable turns to his neighbor. Okay, He's got this need. He's got a, a guest who's arrived at his doorstep. He's got nothing to give him. So he turns to his neighbor. And he goes and he knocks on his door in the middle of the night. And he's persistent. I believe he kept knocking because the guy didn't want to get out of bed. And he actually yells and says, hey, we're all in bed. The kids are all wrapped up. Go away. But what does the guy do? He just keeps knocking. He's persistent. You may not get the answer you want, and you've got to be willing to cry out day and night, just like we looked at earlier. Be persistent. Keep going back until he gives you the answer or he changes your request. But keep going back. Be persistent. Knock expecting to be heard. I remember years ago when uh, I was a kid growing up in New York, and my dad has always been an evangelist and loves sharing his faith, and he wanted everyone around him to have the same you know, desire, and I didn't have it. Um, and so our entire church, which was not that many people, went through what was called evangelism explosion. And we had a guy come in, and he taught everybody how to share their faith. And we were equipped to go do this, and I hated it. It was a whole weekend that, that you know, my one, two days I didn't have to go to school, I, I was stuck in this conference. And they taught us how to share our faith, and we had a little track, and then we had to go out in pairs and go door-to-door in New York to strangers' homes and do this survey. And the whole goal was that you were going to share the gospel with them. And I got tag-teamed with this kid that I didn't know, and we're both in junior high, and I'm like, God, this is a beating. And so we took turns, and your, do- your goal was to walk, you know, literally we got several blocks, and we'd go door-to-door, and we would take turns, and we'd go up to the door. I, I, I perfected the art of knocking with no sound. I would not ring the doorbell. I always knock, and I just, I, if they had a storm door, I went to that storm door, and I'd knock real light, and I'd, and I'd give it like two seconds, and <laughs> they're not here, and I'd leave. And then he saw me doing it, so he'd do the same thing. Is that the way we were supposed to do it? I don't think so. We actually had one lady open the door, and it petrified both of us. <laughs> Fortunately, she was already a believer, so it went great. But in this context, we're to knock so that we can be heard. If you've got a need, you're going to knock really loud. If your house is on fire and you need help and you run next door to your neighbor, you're going to knock really loud. You're not going to just barely tap. I don't want to bother him. No, you're going to be loud and persistent because you want an answer. So knock loudly. You've got a need in your life. You go to God, go to the right source, pray in Jesus' name, and ask and knock and seek persistently. Till you get the answer you're looking for or he changes your request. But don't give up. Prayer, guys, is not for the timid. It's not for the timid. Neither is evangelism. Um, it's not for the timid. You've got to knock and you've got to knock to be heard. So don't lose heart. Again, Luke 18.1, Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them they should pray and not give up. Don't lose heart. Don't give in. Keep going back. Go to the right source. Keep asking. Be persistent. I love that word that we translate give up. Don't give up is actually one word in the Greek. It's to be utterly spiritless, to be wearied out, exhausted, to fail. Don't fail. Don't give up. Keep going back. Be persistent. 
So what are you praying for that you've given up on? What are you, what are you praying for that you've given up on? God's not going to answer it. Jesus says, keep on keeping on. Don't give up. Don't stop praying. To stop praying is to cease believing. It's to basically say, God, you can't do it. Therefore, I'm not going to pray anymore. It's to stop expecting for him to do anything. Keep praying. For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you, Paul says to the Colossians. He tells the Ephesians, I do not cease giving thanks for you. He tells in the book of Romans, how unceasingly I make mention of you. His prayers were unceasing, continual. He never gave up. Let me close this in prayer. Father, we just thank you so much um, that you have given us access to your throne room through prayer. And Father, I pray that you would uh, make us men of prayer. I pray that the, the circumstances that we are in right now as a, as a nation, as a people, as a country, would drive us to our knees in, in an act of dependence on you as the only one who can provide what it is we think we're looking for. And I pray, Father, that you would change our perspective, that we would see that the things we think we need are not going to answer our real need. And that, Father, we would have a desire for eternal things, that we would have a desire for life change, that we would begin to pray for each other differently, more deeply, and we would look past the surface and begin to pray for fruitfulness and to pray for holiness. And that, Father, whether or not we ever get the request, we will get from you exactly what we really need. And Lord, I know there are men in this room right now who are struggling and suffering and, uh, and hurting. And you have told us to bring every request to you. And I encourage each of us to do that. But at the same time, I pray that we would come with a willingness to trust you for the outcome. That you know what's best. And that you will do your will your way, and in your timing. Lord, if there's a man in this room this morning who's struggling, who's given up and can't pray anymore, I ask that they would come forward and, and talk to me, talk to one of the men in this room, that we could pray with them and come alongside them. We're a body. We're not meant to live this life alone, but in community. Strengthen us as we leave today. May we live for you and may we turn to you throughout the day for everything that we face, every need that we, we have. And we look forward to seeing you answer in the days and the weeks and the months ahead. And I pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hey guys, one last thing. Sunday night, 6.30 in the main sanctuary, we are having a prayer time that's going to be led by the elders. And if you have anything that you need prayer for, uh, that you would like us to pray with you as pastors and staff, we invite you to come and share that. It's going to be a very intimate time. It won't be, uh, we're not going to embarrass you. But we have a lot of needs, and I invite you to come and be a part of that. And if no other reason, come and pray for other people. 6.30 after the service in the main sanctuary Sunday night. Have a great week.